Georgian bag. That's a nasty looking finger, lady. You got the face? What? No. Hey, I got your fertilizer. We made you. <laughs> Welcome back, interweb friends. This is Stop the Movie I Want to Get Out. Hollywood sometimes makes an episode of a TV show and puts it in the theater, and we make fun of it. I'm Alex Dunbar. I'm joined, as always, by Cody Wolf. What I can't, I can't, what I need, I can't get from Dr. Crusher. Oh, I screwed it up. <laughs> yes. Son of a... One of the creepiest yeah. lines in this movie. This is super creepy. Yeah. Too. Nick Newert. Have you noticed your, boob, your boobs getting firmer? Uh, and coming in, as uh, I'm about to introduce him, he's coming in the door. Jack Estabrook is literally walking into the episode right now. Uh, he will do. Oh, British tar is a soaring sword, <laughs> as free as a mountain bird. <laughs> and our movie this week, 1998's Star Trek <clears throat> Insurrection. Um, I, I, apparently, they had a lot of trouble coming up with a title for this. I was doing a little research, um, and they like just I've got tried some a bunch of things. Star Trek, <laughs> the other one. Yeah. Star yeah. Trek. An episode. <laughs> Star Trek. Well, I think a more accurate title would be like Star Trek Whistleblower. It's not really an insurrection. It's just yeah. more like we're going to tell people about this and that's it. Well, I think uh, since Jonathan Frakes directed, he had to get erection in there. Oh, that's yeah. This we will get we'll get into that. I my eyes popped. I forgot that Jonathan Frakes so, uh, also directed First Contact. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I forgot many episodes one. of Next Gen. Well, that that would not surprise me, having seen this movie that he had directed many episodes of this of this show. Uh, I also saw associate producer Patrick Stewart, yeah. which made my eyes pop a little. I'm like, okay, looks like everyone wanted to get paid. Yeah, why not? Um, it's the third movie. He was still two years away from that X Men money, you know. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's yeah, right. That's true. I, and now all three of you guys are. I mean, I I'll give our background. I like Star Trek: The Next Generation. I've seen probably roughly fifty percent of the episodes, um, though I've not seen much of the last two seasons. There was a stretch where I was watching them on Amazon, and I was like working through whole seasons. Um, but I, I like it. I was never super passionate about Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. Although every ep- almost every episode I watched, I'd be like, "This is pretty great." Yeah, it's a good show. Um, I, I think I prefer it to. To the original, Star I would say it's series, way yeah. more consistent than the original series, um, and and the the highs are higher even. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There, there's great episodes of. Yeah. Uh, when I was in college, actually, in a screenwriting class, we studied not one but two episodes of the Next Generation. Which ones? Uh, one yeah. is the one that one that Quentin Tarantino is fascinated about, where there's all the enterprises from different timelines. It's the one where Denise okay. Crosby comes back oh, okay. after her character had been killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's um, a good one. And I cannot remember yesterday's the other enterprise. One. Yep. Yes, and I can't remember the other one, but it was also outstanding. Um, <laughs> I just remember being like, "Wow!" I, you know, it, that was, made me think like I should really be watching more of these. Um, but I had never seen this movie before, and I've not seen Nemesis yet. Um, so this was my first viewing. You guys are a lot more experienced with it. Uh, how? Before we get to the movie, how did how did this movie? Come to pass because first contact was a pretty good hit, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. First contacts yeah. can is are, is considered by many fans to be the best next gen movie. Oh, easily. It's um, a- it's uh, really good. Um, and this film is the exact opposite. Um, I have no idea why the quality drop. Uh, because I think they were kind of riding on a high. Because when they did Generations, the first Next Generation movie, it was sort of that big cinematic send-off because the original series <laughs> well, cast movies... Say, they did a big cinematic send-off after they did a big cinematic yeah. send-off, which yeah. was Star Trek right. The Undiscovered Country. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So they did this... Well, maybe not send-off, but... Um, Basically, I think the idea was we had such a successful run, for the most part, with the original series cast in the movie theaters. Next Generation was really, really popular. The moment the show was done, they begin production in Next Generation movies, which I don't think audiences really wanted. Not that we didn't want them, but it felt like they were being forced into movies all of a sudden without a plan. Yeah, there wasn't as much a longing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember even as a kid, like, wondering what the... 
not the appeal was, but I don't know. What, well, I, I, I the show ended perfectly. Yeah. The final episode of Next Gen is a great final episode, and then all of a sudden there's a movie which is just shot on the sets from the yeah. TV it show. It just didn't feel like a, like it needed a cinematic universe, I guess, or like cinematic continuation. Well, I think what's strange yeah. to me, and the thing that I'm constantly befuddled by with these movies is the Star Trek original cast movies feel like movies. Right. Like yeah. their their scope right. is big. Like and I think I mean, they're, they're made far enough after the series ended. Yeah, that, that but they, it was they, like but like the 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 scale is bigger. Yeah, like yeah. you know everything feels like this is a movie. These just look like. Episode. Well, I, f- I think the. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. That's why I feel that uh, this movie is kind of the one I like the least out of the next generation ones because all the other three at least do something interesting or try and mm. make some sort of lasting impact on the the franchise. With generations, you do get the handoff from Kirk to Picard. Yeah. First contact, you get what was kind of supposed to be the final showdown with the Borg. Mm-hmm. And in Nemesis, you get what is more or less the send-off for the series, you know, and a goodbye to one of the characters. And this is just a long episode. Like, it's yeah. an episode with a larger budget, but right. they don't I mean, really make even, much use of it. They, they don't, don't... It even looks like an episode. And it's a Star Trek movie. Well, the, the it, effects in it were really bad. I don't yeah. think the effects were finished. No. Yeah. Uh, well, I, the, well the, especially that final fight scene in The Collector where there's all that blue space. Is that just blue screen that they never filled uh, in? That's what I always feel like, yeah. Well, I know they did 10 million in reshoots for the ending. Mm-hmm. They spent 10 that I did not know. to reshoot to redo the ending. Okay. Um, but I, and I was actually going to say by ninety eight standard nineteen ninety eight standards, mm. I thought the effects were. I think this okay. I think the visuals in the yeah. briar patch, the ship. I like the way that oh, that looks. looks good. That looked very pretty. I like that. Yeah. By ninety eight standards, that actually looked quite good. I yes. Think. Yeah. yeah. But I think that I was going to say the disparity between like the original series and the original series movies. You know, that happened further along after the series ended, and they. You know, the original series was cheesy, six or seven. You know, the 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 old school TV look, and these were like movie movies. Whereas this is like the next gen series is already pretty cinematic. I mean, TV by that point is kind of getting more cinematic. You know, toward now now it basically is cinematic. But yeah. So where, when you make that jump to movies, it's not as big of a jump where you're gonna be like, oh wow, they're on the big screen. And it's I guess so. Some I mean, of my some of my criticisms is in like <clears throat> this is really like inside baseball, but like cinematography and production design. So much of this movie is shot on like, it's shot at noon. It reminded me of that Hercules movie we did. I didn't know they're just noon shooting at like yeah. noon. We we're right. like, oh, come on, guys, you're yeah, a, like you're a movie. You a shouldn't giant be shooting shadow at noon. on, on Patrick yeah. face. Lots of yeah. high key lighting. A lot of mm-hmm. high key, and like even the interior sets are lit like how you would that like kind of Price is Right lighting yep. that you would yeah. use on a TV show. We're yep. like, come on, like yeah. this is you have money. This yeah. is. Um, well, I mean, you have Jonathan Frakes directing it, not like. I yeah. I feel like maybe that was the Nick challenge, Meyer. and maybe they should have gotten a cinematographer, like given him a cinematographer and a production designer who mm-hmm. were gonna up things yeah. a little bit on that end, you know, because that maybe sure. that wasn't Jonathan Frakes's forte. But yeah, this movie. I mean, I feel bad saying this movie looked very cheap to me. It does. <laughs> um, I mean, I, we're gonna. I'm gonna jump ahead to our so wrong. It's right. Would anybody guess what the budget on this film was? I, I can, can't get some money. And I, I, I don't know. And I cannot stress money? this is enough. This is 1998. I'm gonna say 30 mil. I'm gonna go 40. Okay. Because a lot of that's gonna go to the cast who probably didn't want to make another movie. Yeah, I'll say 50 then. It was 70 million dollars really? wow. in 1998 money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like. I feel like Jonathan Frakes must have put sixty of that in his pocket or something like, or in his beard. Like <laughs> this is, but he shaved it. This actually, prior to the J.J. Abrams movies, was the most expensive Star Trek movie made. Hmm. Really, uh, where did that money go? Yeah. Because if you've seen Probably First Contact, that movie looks really good. Yeah. Right. Made, well, well, just even a, Nemesis looks better than this. Nemesis yeah. looks great. Just six years earlier, they made Star Trek VI for $27 million. That was fantastic. And that movie looked so much better better than this. I mean, and this was, I mean, and and even First Generations was $38 million. Mm -hmm. Uh, First Contact was $46 million. Mm -hmm. And then this movie pops to $70. But, like, when I was watching it, I was like, 
I was kind of doing the math in my head. I'm like, uh, okay, uh, even factoring in maybe everybody wants to get paid, you know, like, okay, you're going to kind of help everyone out to come back. I'm like, what are we talking? 25 million, 30 million, maybe. Yeah. The visual effects are decent, maybe 33 yeah, yeah. million. I mean, even if everyone wanted to get paid. The only two people, I think, in the cast that would really be able to command money are Patrick Stewart and maybe Brent Spiner. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then if Murray Abraham much, is in it, though, he's true. A respected yeah, actor. But, but, I don't but, know but, if he's but, a box but, office straw, but, but he's, he's not, a yeah. respected actor. Yeah, but yeah, but he's never been like a like a big box. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, you could get F. Murray Abraham for like two hundred and fifty grand, probably. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just to true, get. True. How much do you guys think Patrick Stewart made for this movie? This was I had already fallen out of my seat when I found out that this cost million. seventy million dollars. I mean, I was gonna no, say let's say ten. I yeah, knowing that the movie's seventy million dollars, I'm gonna guess ten also. He made yeah. nine and a half million for this. Wow. To, and and like I love Patrick Stewart. Sure. I'm not knocking Patrick Stewart, but yeah. to be paying Patrick Stewart nine and a half million. Well he million was an associate dollars, producer too, so I know, I know. I mean like whoa, like get that money on the screen, please. You know? Yeah. Um so yeah, that that just part of part of my comments in this movie are like this is this is the anti Cutthroat Island. With, with Cutthroat yeah. Island, you're like, okay, we're seeing a hundred million dollars. With this, I'm like constantly wondering where did seventy million dollars go yes. for noon shoots and like just locked down shots on the tripods. Co- the costumes, the costumes like, look like they were the costumes of the Baku look like they were purchased at a department store. They are yeah. 100% using that generic Star Trek cave oh, yeah. set that has yep. been oh, used yeah. in so many and episodes. Yeah. Exteriors. Because yeah. part of the yeah. thing that on the sets and stuff. astounds me, before we get into the movie, I know we haven't touched on a yeah. single story element yet, but like, talking about the look of the film, part of the reason why Star Trek's, you know, Particularly Star Trek's two, three, four, five, and six. I know five is a, but the people that are working on them still sort of came from a TV background from the production standpoint. So the <clears throat> idea was always the reason why, like uh, Wrath of Khan, there's only one bridge set. They just redressed it and relit it and they were right. creative with it, but they did it in such a way where it felt large, it felt more expensive than it was. So yeah. here you would think, what would these people who are used to working on a budget, because Next Gen was a beautifully looking show, it was a very expensive show, but still looked cinematic when it's like one hundredth, one one hundredth, hundredth of a movie's budget. Mm-hmm. So what would, I would imagine that these guys given $70 million would be like kids in a candy store. Like, oh my God, like we can make things look awesome on a budget because we're used to it. And now we've got all this money. So let's just pretend like we don't care anymore. And what? Like it just doesn't yeah. add up to me. Like, and they were even using the the DS9 sets. They were shooting yep. this on, which is like yep. a $70 million movie that is shooting on a current TV show sets. Yep. I, I mean, this is... A little unconscionable, like like for it to look like this, but yeah. Um, but yeah, later. So let's let's go into it. I do actually like the opening of this movie, sure, where we just see a data going rogue on this kind of on this planet, and we don't know why. Um, Which again is that's happened in the show it, before. I, too. I feel yeah. like that has no, happened. Co- Cody, okay. Cody makes a good episode, point. There's an episode I just watched it again recently where he. Like all of a sudden goes crazy and takes over the ship, and he goes. He ends up going to meet his his creator, the, the guy who created him. But it's like some homing thing in his his programming that like turns on, and he just like goes out into this automatic, which doesn't. That ends up happening, but that's not why that happens at first in the movie. But right. But where he takes over the ship, locks everybody out and of the the bridge, and takes it to this distant place to go meet his creator. There are a lot of plot elements in this that are from yeah. Next Generation episodes. For example, the the holographic duck blind is from an episode. Data going going out of control, and everyone's like, "Oh no, how are we gonna take it back?" That happened in an well, episode. Well, Cody and I were talking about the idea you... of a hollow ship yes. from an episode. We were talking right? about that, how this is in another episode. They relocated a like a, a population of using yeah. a hollow Just, deck. Yep, the Paul Sorvino episode. Yeah, that's right. That's with Paul Sorvino. Yeah. Um, I mean, and they do, there's a little twist on it, but yeah. It's done differently, yeah, but, but not differently enough. It's like Star yeah. Trek 1, where they're just using plot elements from, they're drawing from the series literally, not spiritually. Yeah. And that's obnoxious. But anyway, I'm sorry, let's get back into well, it. I did, like, and I'm going to play this movie some comments. I just kind of liked that idea, and you don't see it enough, I think, in a lot of movies, of 
they didn't they they threw the audience into it a little bit and you're kind of left to figure out what's going on there's sure. a little mystery there's uh-huh. a little like you know rather than just i don't know coloring by number there, there's a little something there yeah. in the way that they're the way it's written um and you're trying to figure it out but this movie constantly undermines itself because we go into what I would say is arguably the B subplot of this movie is that Riker is really horny. <laughs> like, I think that comes pretty close to being the A plot. Yeah. I, I mean, it, and it's like, it's so weird because it's, as a, I have all these notes where I'm like, why am I watching Jonathan Frakes' midlife crisis? Like, yeah. that's what this, so much of this feels it's like. It's not his fault, it's the planet. Yeah. I know, I know. That does, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a weird way of factoring it in. But they, like, keep going to it. It's well, a little like, ugh. Because you have to remember, it's directed by Jonathan Frakes, so he's like, I'm going to get myself in there, getting a little, uh... Well, I also, yeah, I also think there's not a with. lot for the Riker character to do because Frakes directed it. Which I think is why he's he because he's not in the movie a lot. Right. He's, he's removed from a lot of the action except for the set. The, he's on the, the he's in the bottle stuff. He's on the Enterprise, like piloting the Enterprise, and he's flirting with with Marina Sirtis. And the two characters had a will they won't they throughout the entire series. So they're kind of rushing that to conclusion. This is just a Trek question because again, as a guy who hasn't seen a lot of the end, how did the series end? Were they together when it they ended? They were not or when not the series. Oh, oh, yeah. Whoever wants to bring this up, I don't want to jump. Well, okay. You are the Star Trek. Ah, right. And the series ends, there is <clears throat> um, uh, uh, Counselor Troy, Marina Sirtis' character, and Michael Dorn, the Worf character, they develop a relationship, which is kind of out of the blue. What? It does make yeah. sense when you go back, and a lot of it has okay. to do with Worf's son. And Worf, it, does, it does build through the last couple seasons. Worf okay. has a son named Alexander who is having difficulty adjusting, much like Worf did. Worf is a Klingon who was raised by humans. He's a child of two worlds. And Counselor Troy helps him a lot in the parenting of the Alexander character. And in particularly the last half of the show, she becomes more and more important to Worf. And her and Worf actually develop a relationship. And Worf, being this honorable Klingon, feels like... He feels guilty because he has such respect for Commander Riker and he knows that Commander Riker and, and Counselor Troy used to be in love and they had this relationship. And Riker basically signs off on it and says, you know, it's all right. But the final episode touches on that because the final episode shows us an alternate future where Riker and Worf hate each other. And that's a big schism that broke the crew apart. But the crew has to come together to save the universe one last time. Would have actually made for an amazing Star Trek movie, that final episode. But nonetheless, so... To ignore that in the movies, in big part because Michael Dorn made the transition to the DS9 cast. Yeah, they just all of a sudden. So uh, now they they ham fist him back in because of course you got to have Worf. I get it. I don't want Next Gen without Worf. But to ignore that Troy thing and now Troy. So whatever happened between Troy and Worf that split them apart was either only gl- only glazed over in DS9 and I'm forgetting it, or never was never touched on at all. Wow. But now it's basically the conclusion of that where Riker and, and, and Troy are back together again, and I don't know. Wait, didn't, Too many words didn't to get to a point. Troy and Riker show up in other Star Trek shows, like either Voyager? They're or in the infamous the, ending of Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, Which okay. Which takes place during an episode of Next Generation. Okay. Okay. And there's the Enterprise. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that I was trying to remember where that where that will they won't they because it seems it's been there. It the, comes on pretty hot in this movie where oh, it was like it's okay, a, it's a reused it's a reused thing from Star Trek the motion picture right. where um, the two the two new characters in 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 Star Trek the motion That's picture right. one is the mysterious alien the other is the 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 young good looking. Uh, officer on the make. They used to have a, 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 a loving relationship. Something went wry. Now kind of a, a, a Rick's Cafe situation. You've come back into my life. We're back on the ship together. How are we going to work together? Now in that instance, they, well, she they, was possessed by an alien force and he joined with her well, and neither of them survived the movie. Apart. Like in theory, like Riker and Troy have just been like Working together this whole time. And it was then, yeah. sort of a thing. Yeah. There was a little bit of a will they, won't they there, but for the most part, it was it was it was not deeply explored. It okay. makes sense that they okay. would. It, this does make sense. It's presented in a very. Oh, all of a sudden it's happening, but it does make sense if you know the show. Okay. Though all it right. isn't handled well, I'll, all right. I'll admit that. So basically, they're given twelve hours to recapture data. Yes. Who is gone rogue and that that 
Anthony Zerby, uh, I can't remember the name of the admiral he plays. Doherty. Doherty, yeah, and he's like, yeah, you gotta, okay. They kind of seem to be, like, not thrilled that Picard and the Enterprise are coming, but they're like, all right, you got 12 hours to, you know, find out what's going on with Data. Um, and they, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Um, they, their plan to capture Data involves singing Gilbert and Sullivan so, uh, songs. This, this is where the movie is weird to me. It has these little cute moments where, like, the characters are having fun and the actors are just having fun with it. And as someone who grew up with these characters, it's nice to see little things like that, but it's taking away from the overall plot. So Picard I, and his crew are like, Data's gone nuts. Oh, well, what are we going to do? Anyway, and he's wearing, Picard's wearing this weird headdress because they're pulling off the comedy of diplomacy with these aliens. And they're kind of like, well, oh, Worf, how are you? Oh, tell me how DS9 is going. Meanwhile, there was what in this film could have been a year before the Borg almost destroyed the Earth. Two years before, the Federation has just finished an almost a war they almost lost with the Dominion from the, the the Gamma Quadrant, and that's in canon with this series. And now everyone's like, "Ha, oh, we're so happy in diplomacy, and Data's gone nuts and might be killing people. Let's be fun." I I may have the key to this dilemma that I found out after I watched it. Okay. Apparently, in, during pre-production of this movie, Rick Berman and Paramount were both pretty obsessed with Star Trek Four. Okay. And the way yep. Star Trek Four had implemented comedy and had made all this money as mm. kind of a, you know, a movie, <clears throat> a Star Trek movie that non-Star Trek fans would enjoy. And yeah. it was, and they were like, not unlike Star Trek Five, they were like, get some comedy in there. <laughs> uh, and you feel it consistently through this of like, there's like comedy jammed into this movie yeah. in weird places. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't, like to give Star, I, I, I don't. Star Trek Four is not my favorite Star Trek movie, but mm -hmm. Leonard Nimoy did have a good touch for comedy, yeah. and like it, it's, it is woven into that movie well. It is not woven into this movie well. It is no. It just it takes abrupt comedic attempts yes. at comedic turns. Yes, it's and, abrupt, uh, and they got this tense scene. Right? There's this spaceship chase. Well, yeah, sometimes things that are happening are very grim. Yeah, and then like. Like a straight up like '80s sitcom esque joke comes in, mm -hmm. and then goes back to like right. a very grim scenario. It it it. Uh, well, I think with Star Trek Four, it was basically a comedy throughout the whole movie. It wasn't. Yes, <clears throat> it didn't yeah. mix those two. But you still felt like the that. stakes were high, and that what oh, it was they still were like doing an action sci-fi movie. But it wasn't, sure, it wasn't like. Didn't take itself I, I didn't so go from grim to yeah. It was more the whole thing was more. I, I agree joke. with yes, Cody. Even, like, like even the, Keel on the tone front. Yes. The, the entire second act of Star Trek Four is a comedy, yeah, and they well, basically in the first and third act kind of bring it back to sci-fi. Yeah, right. But like mm -hmm. it's anything in the yeah the present they, day was was kind of just joking comedy, just jokes. Yeah, um, but they do so they <laughs> recapture. I mean that scene where like Data and Picard are singing is like. I, I'm looking at it and I'm being like, oh my God, I'm sure on the paper everybody thought this would be like hilarious and funny. And I'm like, I'm, I'm watching it just stone-faced yeah. being like, ah, ah, ah. Or like, you know, you could just tell Patrick Stewart would be like, I can, like everyone was, and Brent Spiner, who's really talented, could be like, I can sing, I can do this. And it was, this yeah. was the greatest example of we can do it, but that doesn't mean we, we should, should do, do it. it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and somehow they sing data out of what I mean. Well, I think they're just distracting him while they while they try to they're trying to like dock with the ship yes. or whatever. Yeah, because they're flying through the atmosphere of this planet in like two two separate like little crafts. Yeah, and they keep trying like to you know dock with him or whatever, and he he keeps um, you know stop whatever they're trying to do. He's stopping them from doing it, so they distract him by singing the song that he's been learning. Yeah. Um, and but they, 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 the they do latch on and they're able to just barely come in for a safe landing right. on this planet where we meet a like a Luddite society who knows about tech but is intentionally not using it. Yeah. We don't know it beat the first though that they know about tech. Right. True. Yeah, true. Nobody really that's we learn later that's on, kind of a reveal yeah. that's not done very well. But no. That's true. At first I was like, oh, this is th this was a preview of the hipster movement. Like these yeah. people are like, you know, just kind turning their own butter because they think it's cool. Yeah. Riding around know. on penny farthings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
And I was like, okay, okay, okay. you know, um, we do, I'm like, all right, and we're trying to, and, and it's clear like something else is going on here because we know from the data scenes in the beginning that, that the Federation was observing these people and was studying them, um, trying to do so secretly. And it, it, there is a little, <laughs> I, I actually kind of liked this stretch of like where there's a little mystery and there's a little yeah. like, you so, know. So, because they shut, basically they shut data down and they bring them back to the ship. Yeah. And Jordy. Um, analyzes and whatever and figures out that Data didn't go crazy like robot crazy until after he was they shot him right. which was after he started shooting up the, the duck blind and all that stuff yeah um, so they figure out like he must have found something that made him want to expose what expose something or whatever he was some, why, was, why was he? Yeah. Why, essentially, why was Data getting shot? Data right. must have been. Yeah. Why they, were they, they shooting to, at Data? He found something yeah. out that they realized he found out and wanted to stop him from revealing that, so they shot him. And right. that's when he went crazy and took the ship and flew away and was singing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would also say, the Data makeup in this movie is pretty dreadful. Like this looks worse than the original. Like than the, well, the it, series. It's also <laughs> this is where you start to see Brent Spiner age too. Well, he, yeah. he he'd been I think after first contact he had started to say no the next one's got to be my last one. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Well we were yeah. yeah I mean it, it's not it it isn't necessarily fair, but at the same time, the character is supposed to be ageless. So as yeah, Brent Spiner right. ages, Data ages, but it doesn't make any sense. Now there was a, again, there was a gag, a sight gag in the final episode of Next Gen, which had uh, a flash forward into the future where the Data character had put gray in his hair, but it looked oh. like crap because he didn't know what he was doing. But I've got gray in my hair. It's a touch of sophistication. It makes me look like I'm older. But he totally looks the same. And it was it worked beautifully as a little joke and a serious story. But the idea of Brent Spiner aging as Data just doesn't work. Well, that's why in, work. Yeah. in Picard, the new show, when he comes, he's in the first episode. And it's like, ooh, yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> maybe we should have done some CGI or something. Then, uh. Maybe. This was like also just like the oiliest makeup yeah. I think I'd ever seen Data in. Well, I think like, this is more what they were going for originally. Like in the show, he was supposed to be like silvery, and, uh, and I think it just didn't come across like that on, on TV. Okay, so they just went with the white makeup. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think in the movies they kind of went back to that maybe because okay. it, it does look more. Because I noticed that too. He looked more like silvery and shiny and yeah, and yeah, yeah body. Very, very shiny. Yeah. yeah, maybe. All right, maybe if that was if that was like the intent. Okay. Because um, the first episode of, of Next Gen, he does look very... Actually, that's He true. almost looks... Um, not malicious, but he, he looks kind of, like, weird. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's supposed to look weird, but he kind of becomes more normal off. later on. Yeah. He becomes a little... They, they hum, he looks a little more human, a little less what they call that uncanny valley, right? Yeah. In the later seasons. They've got... We do go back, and we get the, the creepiest line I've ever heard in anything Star Trek, which is Riker talking to Deanna Troy, and she's like, oh, do you need Dr. Crusher? And he's like, what I need, I can't get from Dr. Crusher. And I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I think this scene, That's the creepiest scene in the movie. Yeah. I think this came a little too early. Yeah. Because they're kind of just establishing that people are... They're kind of... De-aging. De-aging a little bit and kind of becoming, like, having younger person te uh, tendencies and stuff. But this is, like, really, like, aggressively that. Yeah. And this is, like, the first time you really see that. Yeah. Where and, if it was more subtle stuff first and then that. You right. You kind of build up that. It's like, okay, but. Even if they had introduced the concept <clears throat> of there's some de-aging going on. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was it. Like, it just, it felt out of nowhere. Right. And I was like, this movie's gross. <laughs> um, yeah. I and mean, then we find out. So F. Murray Abraham is an alien who has this kind of interesting, like, stretched skin look, um, who needs something that, that Starfleet, or that the Federation has to approve of. And they, and they, they keep this a mystery for a yeah. little bit. Like, you know something's going on. It's something a little, like, the Federation is involved in some sort of, like, maybe gray area diplomacy here. Mm -hmm. Um... And you don't know quite what it is, but it's like okay, keep your keep your eye on this. Um, and meanwhile, Picard and the and the now not crazy Data are walking around the planet trying to recreate what Data found that caused him to get shot at. Yeah, They're trying and to find what he what he saw that made him go crazy. They and they find a hollow ship. This is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a pause here and just talk about this. I remember seeing long, this movie Jack, in the theater. And I remember at the time this being weird. So 
again, a funny scene all of a sudden. There's this great mystery. Something's almost <laughs> killed Data. Now he's going to walk at the bottom of this lake. Okay, cute little scene. He says, oh, I noticed something down there. He comes up. He drains the lake somehow. This technology-less society there's a dam there. takes this dam, I guess. There's but, a dam. They say there's a dam. Oh, okay. Yeah. I okay. must have missed The kid said he, yeah. he was playing up by the dam one. But he drains the lake, <clears throat> and they find the hollow ship, and they do this kind of cool effect where the invisible object is displacing water, but the hollow ship is above the water line, and the dock is still at water level, even though they've drained the lake. And then they climb up into the hollow ship. They walk up into the hollow ship, but then have to jump out of it because it's impossible maybe for them they, to have walked onto it. Now, maybe, maybe I'm nitpicking, game. but there's a lot of logic WTFs going on. Wait very until short... I tell you about faster than light travel, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to blow your mind. <laughs> right, right, right. I thought you were going to... Some t- things but, you're willing to yeah. accept for the sake of malarkey, but if you violate the logic that much... I, I will actually defend you a little bit, Jack. I was having questions about where things were in yeah. relation to other things. And I'm like, I don't know why they're doing this. And then they did that goofy stunt where, like, Picard or Data shoots a bad guy. And the guy does a stunt that's right out of, like, a theme park <sighs> stunt show where he, like, falls from one level to yeah. another. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. why we're doing all of this, like, level work. Okay. Yeah. Gravity. Yeah. So, I, and I don't know why they're keeping the ship, like, in the lake. Yeah, like yeah. then it raises the first step. I didn't understand. Yeah, I just now realized, like, yeah. oh, they could have just it's a, it's left a spaceship. It in orbit. Could, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's invisible. Yeah, um, but maybe or another duck blind would have made more sense. Well, yeah. The dam is a duck blind. I don't know. <clears throat> so this is what Data saw that made him figure out what's going on. Because when they go into the solid ship, it's a replication. It's a, a you know, holographic represent or a replication of the village that these people live in. Yeah. So he figures out as Picard does when he sees it that they're planning to. M- Transport these people off the planet without them knowing. Yep. And so that's what Wait, Data saw. Did this movie come out before or after the Truman Show? I'm just. Oh, I know. It's, I want to know who ripped off who after. I would have. Maybe. I guess it would have been after, but yeah. like right at. Yeah. Yeah. So they all have to like just the bad straight. guys attack, and then they have to jump into the water, and somehow this lady who lives on the hipster planet can't swim. So like yeah, she has just her. found out she is nearly drowned. Just found out that there's a hollow ship that they're like people are shooting at her, and then Data goes, "In the event of a water landing, I'm equipped to serve as an inflation device." And like his coat weirdly like his yeah. clothes like pop up, and I was like, I I felt like the other two characters, like the lady just sort of yeah. stares at him, and Picard just sort of I stares like at him. And I'm like, yeah, that's the appropriate reaction well, to this. As I was watching, yeah. I felt like that was a joke somebody threw out in a writer's room. Yep. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't this be goofy hook? And that it somehow made it onto the page and was never taken out. I feel, I, just something, something I feel like you're right. It joke. made it onto yeah. the page, and then they actually <clears throat> did the effect on the day. Like, they found a way to do this, and they were like, oh, man, we can't cut it. Those guys worked so hard. Yeah. <laughs> we're still like, coming in well under yeah. two hours. Yeah. yeah. As long as happening, I thought it was just, like, Brent Spiner just being, like, improvising. But yeah. then he actually looks out the yeah, I was yeah, like, oh, no, that, that was, like, something they actually had to... Yeah. and think about. Yep. And it makes you wonder what Dr. Sung was thinking when he created data. So many things he can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this well, is about, I bet Laura can't do that. This is kind of where we learn that the planet has a power that continually regenerates cells. And this is like a fountain of youth yeah. planet. You find out these people are over 300 years old and, yeah. and they still look, well, actually they're de-aging themselves. Yeah. They used to be older and they're, they're actually was, getting younger. There's one, there was one joke in the movie that I is when Picard's like, she's like, I'm 100 years, I'm 350 years old. And the guy's like, I'm 350 years old. And then the little kid walks up and offers him like tea or whatever. And he says, and I'm sure you must be well into your 70s. And the kid goes, no, I'm 12, weirdo. Yeah. And I'm like, that's really yeah. funny. I like that. And then the guy says, it doesn't happen until you hit puberty. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the children grow to adulthood. But I thought that was a funny joke. Oh, and you must be in your 70s. And no, I'm 12. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That did, that did kind I, of I thought out. that one landed. Uh, so they're basically finding out that, like, the F. Murray Abraham bad guys and the Federation are going to relocate these people to be able to use this. So the uh, we, they need to basically blow up the planet to harness. Well, the idea the is the de-aging yeah. power the de-aging energy is in the rings. So this planet has a ring That's system. That's right. Yeah. And the de-aging planet is in the rings. And the reason why no one ever knew about this fountain of youth is because it's located in this nebula called the Briar Patch, because it's difficult to get signals in and ships in. Yeah. And the Sona, who are the F. Murray Abraham aliens, 
are working with the Federation to harness this energy, but the price, Sona's price for giving the Federation access to this energy that could reverse disease, increase lifespan, is you gotta relocate these people from the planet. And that has something to do with what we find out later in the plot as to why the Sona don't like the Baku, who are the people who live on the planet. Yeah, and there's but whole they don't hate them enough <clears throat> to want to kill them, but they do hate them enough to rip them from their home planet and take right. this power. From and there's them. this whole weird thing with the Sona where they're they're basically getting like, you know, plastic surgery and stuff every however often to keep themselves young and going, and that's why their faces are all stretched out. And yeah, you see these procedures in the movie where they're getting teeth put in their mouths and their skin stretched and all this stuff. So yeah, they want this. Um, power to, to de-age themselves because they're obsessed right. with living forever too. This this is a weird <clears> idea. <throat> Wouldn't it have been possible for them, the F. Murray Abraham people, to just live on a different part of the planet? Like no, it, it seems like a whole. See, they planet. only say there are only six hundred people on the planet. Well, yeah. that one village. Well, they yeah. also may mention that. Not to reveal the spoiler come up later, but. These people don't want to live on the planet. They expressly don't True. want to live there, partly because it's so impossible to get any communication out and it's right. so cut off. And they don't agree with the Baku's uh, stance uh, on uh, technology. The, yes, their 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 relatively light technology sure. viewpoint. They only the right. want to go to the store to buy their butter. That's okay, they, that's they don't have time to churn it themselves. Yeah, they, they have no time for artisanal butter. <laughs> yeah, no that they just so they really just want to bottle this idea rather than and go sell it. Right, I'm sure there's it. some kind but, of a yeah. yeah, a lot of Latin. There's a Ferengi that. somewhere. And there's a Ferengi yeah. somewhere who wants to start a store. <laughs> yeah. yep. um, so, so Picard makes the decision that he is going to go against Admiral Doherty and is said, you know, that this is wrong and he's going to help the hipster planet people. Which, which is also something that happened in an episode of Star Trek where they were relocating a colony that was based on Native Americans. Yeah, we were talking about, we were ta- but, yeah, but we were talking one, about that. Switch, oh, we were though. before I got here. But in, well, yeah, but in yeah, that now one, all, in that one Picard's like, yeah, let's, now let's Picard do it. Is, and now Picard's all of a sudden, no. Because <laughs> in yeah. episode, Wesley Crusher was the one Yes, was that's like, right. No, yeah. we shouldn't be doing this. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a cute girl in this one, so he's so like, oh, I got to say this one. He's not that different from Kurt in card. <laughs> That's true. Do they ever explain nice older in this movie or in any supporting materials why the one hipster lady is magic and has the magic no, power? She basically says, don't ask, don't, don't yeah. think about it. Yeah, but like it never, there's two scenes where she slows down time. I mean, I was just assuming it's it's part of this, the energy or whatever. You know, but they never, yeah. They don't, yeah, say it, but because the energy like basically reverses time or slows down they're, you know, they're, they're they're aging. That she yeah. can slow down time. I guess I don't know. But why does she? She only mm-hmm. uses it two times, yeah. and and she uses one of them is just to be like cool. Yeah. Well, and I got w- the impression that the second time it was actually Picard. Oh. Because she makes mention like, oh, you know, you just haven't learned how to. Uh, right. but this is uh, what uh, I uh, thought. Uh, I, well, yeah. Until that moment, I literally thought it was just for dramatic effect. Like, if you take a moment to just. Breathe. It's just so easy. Just slow down. And then Picard's like enjoying the wonder of nature, and it's just visually represented as quote unquote as if everything was re- slowing he down. He reacts to it as though, because he says, like, How are you doing this? And she's like, Yeah, don't worry about it. Well, because later on, he literally does it to that. slow down time so Dr. Crusher has time to come and give her the hypo spray to bring her back to life when she's dying from the rubble that fell on her. But here's the question. If she has the power to slow down time, why did she slow down time as the, the rocks, rocks were falling, were falling <laughs> yeah, and, right? and, and quicksilver it? Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, right? you know, I mean, like, it's kind of like... That would make too much sense. This would have been a lot better 30 seconds ago, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, it just seemed like a weird addition to a movie that kind of goes nowhere. Um, yeah. But I was like, okay. Like that could have been in the plot somehow. Like, maybe the Enterprise gets destroyed, and then Picard has to learn how to breathe and use the energy from the rings to slow things down so he could rescue everyone from the ship or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and we do, you're that right. Could be used in any good way. I do have the other line in here, which, which really may be the creepiest line in a Star Trek movie, when Data overhears Dr. Ah, Crusher yes. yeah. and Deanna Troy discussing their boobs. Yes. Um... Which you can kind of tell this movie was written by men in that yes, they refer to them as boobs. But then they try <laughs> you know? to they try to be Star Trekky about it. Like Star Trek is known for being, with a couple of missteps along the way, for being uh, very tolerant. You know, trying to teach a good message of you know women and men are equals. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what you look like. Okay, yeah, again, there were some missteps along the way, but you know, it, the, overall the message is good. So they throw in this really dumb line where. 
where 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 Gates McFadden and Marina Sirtis are talking about their boobs. Have you noticed your boobs are firmer? Which is of course supposed to be a joke because this energy is making them younger. But then they throw in this line. Not that not that we really care about that sort of thing. Yeah. Did you catch that? I like did, like I that was it, sort yeah. of I think a lame half-assed attempt by a dude who was writing a pervy scene about Gates McFadden's boobs to try to make it okay in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. By throwing Again, in this, this was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then they try and do another comedic tag on it. Yeah. Where, it, where it, it wasn't yeah. a cringy joke enough. <laughs> yeah. Data yeah. overhearing this exchange goes up to Worf and says, Worf. Have you noticed, as we've been on the planet, your boobs getting firm? Not that we care about this. <laughs> yeah. Now, data is fully functional. And Worf having the most human reaction. Just <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah. Data should know better. He's well, fully say, functional. I, 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 say, uh, I was going to say, they treat data sometimes they, like he's like... Season one data almost. Yeah, well, yeah. like he's not even about human stuff, like emotions and stuff, but about human anatomy and stuff like that. I, I think he would know. Yeah, I mean, like he knows a lot of things. Well, he's like, a computer. Yeah. Half of Data's plot would have been eliminated if they just had him, you know, put his emotion chip in for this sure, movie yeah. too. Yeah, that's another thing because that was in the in Next Gen. That was Data that was wants to be good. as human as possible, and to do that, he needs his emotions chip. And by the end of the series, he gets his emotion chip back, but it's he's afraid to use it, or it's somehow damaged. And in Star Trek Generations, well, does he get it in this series? Because I know he gets it in Generations. He gets it in Generations. So yeah. in the series, here's the story. When the episode that you <laughs> refer very quickly, the, the episode that, that Cody mentioned earlier where, yeah. where Data goes temporarily insane and kidnaps the Enterprise was a recall program to send him back to the home of Dr. Sung who created him. Dr. Sung is in hiding because he's just hiding from the world or whatever. He wants to give Data his emotion chip. I never gave you your emotion chip. Here's a chance to meet your father as it is. I'm dying. I wanted to see you and give you this chip. And uh-oh, by accident, Data's evil twin brother, the android Laura, was recalled as well. I had no idea Laura had been reconstructed. There's an attempt to reconcile. You actually feel bad for Laura, who in the last time we saw him was this horrible villain. But at the end of the episode, Laura overpowers Data, steals his emotion chip, comes back further down the line in the show, uses Data's emotion chip to try to control Data for his own evil purposes. At the end of that episode, it is assumed that Data gets his emotion chip back from Lore, but it is either damaged or faulty, or he's just scared to use it for whatever reason he doesn't put it in. Yeah, in the final he, like, episode, has it, like in his quarters, and he always like is considering dreams about it. it. Yes. Yeah. Now, in the final episode, that future Data with the gray in his hair has the emotion chip in, and in Star Trek Generations, it's part of the plot of that movie. The B plot of that movie is Jordy puts the emotion chip in Data, and it plays off as a little comedy as Data's finally getting used to his emotions. Great. Brent Spiner can now use his full range as an actor. But he also it also like doesn't it malfunction or it, it, like. No, he's overwhelmed by the emotions and he can't handle it. But I thought it like gets like fused to it. Then Picard turn it off. It doesn't get damaged so much as he just doesn't allow him to take it out. Yes. Okay. I thought it like fused to his. It it quote fuses. I think he meant it integrates with his programming to a sense where I I haven't seen it in a while. I just that's what I remember. So then in the next, so that's fine. Now Brent Spiner, very talented actor, can now have maybe some meat to the data character. Now he can explore the emotions. It would be cool to explore, right? The second film, Star Trek First Contact, the final showdown with the Borg, probably the best Star Trek, definitely the best Star Trek movie of the next gen movies, arguably one of the best of all the Star Trek movies. Captain Picard, I don't know if I could take on these Borg, I'm, a, I'm scared. And Picard says, maybe you should deactivate your emotion chip. And he goes, oh, there's a little sound effect and Data is Data for the remainder of the next gen movies. And you never know whether he has the emotion chip on or yeah. off. Sometimes he's got a little emotion, usually he doesn't, and it's just an awesome concept of allowing Brent Spiner to take the Data character in a direction where we were teased the entire series. But literally in this one they say, oh, he left his emotion jet behind. Bop, so which that, again, but then he's back on the ship, so no, who knows? Well, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, this the the data emotion ship was like a monumental fail because they be they opened the door in generations and then data. If you're scared, just turn off your emotion ship. Oh, well, I'll just turn off the emotion ship, and now I can fight the board without fear. Yeah. and that's it. Just oh, okay. Plot just another yeah. convenient plot device, and that's because well, uh, that was kind of interesting. Because I think in generations when it does, he's become like overwhelmed by it. 
he does. Was it Generation First Contact? In Generation, Picard he, basically tells him like, he, "Suck it up." We it's all in have Generations. Guilt. He can't say. Jordy gets kidnapped by Romulans, and Data right. has extreme guilt. Right. He's he, never felt guilt before, and he can't take it. Yeah. He's like, "I failed as a Starfleet officer. I failed my friend Jordy. I failed my ship." And he just is like an adolescent dealing with emotions. Right. He can't do it. And Picard's just like, "Just deal with it. Suck yeah. it up. We all do. We have to deal with that." Okay. Which is cool. But now, now I can just turn it off. I'm sorry to, to sidetrack. Well, here, here's another Star Trek question, and I know from my viewing of Next Generation, some of the people have said that they consistently didn't really know how. To, Counselor Troy is she, not she used really consistently said. throughout the no, series. She's not. And in this Which one, she mostly seems character. used as a sharpshooter, like with guns and stuff. Like it, it, it well, felt they started, like, yeah, they started using her in more like actiony kind of ways, like in. I don't know, probably in the series, but I know, like, Generations, they give her command of the ship at one point. Well, one okay. of the... She destroys it. Kind of a plot <laughs> element towards the end of the series was her wanting to step right, up she wants and be to, that's more right, yeah. commanding presence on the ship. Right. They, yeah. kind of, they don't do very well with the Troy character. They don't do well by the Troy character, the writers. No. She works the best in the episodes where her mother, played by... Um, Major Roddenberry comes in as her uh, as her obnoxious but well-intentioned mother Luoxana. Those are great episodes, but mostly because of Major Roddenberry and all the fun that comes from that character. And Troy is kind of like, oh, mother, you're embarrassing me, which is funny, but that's kind of the best they got. So now you have a trained psychologist with this mysterious power where she can sense things, and the person they turn to when they need advice to that is Whoopi Goldberg, the mysterious bartender. Yeah. Amazing character, well played. Guinan is, is awesome, but it kind of takes away from Troy. And now Troy really, with the exception of the comic relief episodes which Major, with Major Roddenberry, is like a damsel in distress. She gets yeah. mind raped a lot. Yeah, she alternates she, between either damsel in distress or wet blanket. Like it, yes. It, yeah. She never, almost never gets to. And I always felt bad for her because of that. I saw. I remember one episode with the, one of the Reginald Barclay episodes, yes. that, and I thought her, she was kind of interesting in that one. Oh yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, that was the one that for me again as a casual viewer. It's like, oh yeah, they don't really use her particularly well they on this don't. show, and that was like an interesting use of her in that one. Well, I mean, um, stuff when you have all, all, yeah. all these characters and yeah. you can't really give them all. But, there, you're, but movie, I think Jack I, is right though. There's a ton of crossover between Guinan and Counselor Troy, where they both seem to have some kind same, of empathetic, yep, like powers, uh, like psychic abilities, mm, yeah. and you know. Well, Guinan is yeah, always more this, mysterious. And Guinan is always this vo- yeah, this voice of wisdom who's all knowing, who has yeah. advice. But why? Why not just give Troy that experience and make it as mysterious as how Troy knows this stuff? Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. um, I think a big thing, and 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 Cody kind of hit this was. The original series, with all of its characters that we know and love, was mainly the Kirk show. It was the Captain Kirk show, right? Yeah. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, mainly. Yeah. When they got to the movies, it kind of stayed that way, but the Ahura character had become, rightfully so, much more important because of what she represented to (laughs) predominantly young uh, African-American women who were watching the show or young Asians who were watching the show for for, um, George Takei's character, Sulu. So they became more important and developed more important roles in the movies where the Next Generation cast, it was more of an ensemble piece. Yes, Picard was the lead, but Next Gen, the series, is an ensemble piece. And you're always going to get sort of, maybe not literally, but you're going to get relatively equal portions of episodes dedicated to Dr. Crusher and Commander Riker and Worf. And and, and you can kind of pick the characters that you like and see how they mix with each other. So when Next Gen went to movies... You can't develop seven main characters very well in a in a tightly contained sci-fi action adventure film. Right. And right. now it kind of becomes who I would imagine are the three most popular characters, Data, Worf, and Picard. It becomes the Data, Worf, Picard show. And now what are we going to do? Well, let's give Counselor Troy a gun. Let's yeah. give Dr. Crusher some shameless line about her boobs. And uh, Jordy's just... I, I can thought, see a sunrise I thought, I actually and he's thought out of the that Jordy got to shine a little bit yeah. in this movie. Like, and I kind of liked yeah. that. Yeah. I, I did like the scene where Jordy saw the sunrise. Yeah. But it didn't get fully developed. It was literally like the one scene where, she, where Troy's like, your ocular implant's bother you he says ah it's okay another scene where she's checking him and he doesn't have well, any lines I was at all say, as, as little as troy has to do in this movie crusher has even less yeah about it i mean yeah. it's just 
She's, I mean... She doesn't drive any scene, any conversation in the movie. She's just a reacting board. In fact, the biggest thing I thought of when she comes in after the cave-in to help Picard's new girlfriend, and she comes in and, like, helps the lady, and she's going to be okay, and then my first thought was, like, didn't Crusher and Picard, weren't they sort of yeah. an item at one point? I'm like, is they this were. weird? Yeah. Like, yeah. They I'm were like, sort of as well. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, yeah, they don't really let her. I mean, I mean, she, I guess she's fine, but she's just sort of there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. No, yeah. It's nothing against the actress. It's Jordy gets the, that cool yeah. stuff. I feel like when they, good to her, though. Well, that's, yeah, I think. Well, because there's another point where it. I'm like, where's Wesley Crusher? And I'm like, no, this movie wouldn't have had yeah, anything yeah. for him yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, that's the problem. I think it's just an ensemble piece. A true ensemble piece, because you know you hear behind-the-scenes stories of the original series. The actors didn't get along. Next Gen, they apparently all went got along great, and the chemistry was really good. Yeah. So you don't want to see a movie without any one of them. Yeah. But what can they do? They kind of handled this better in First Contact. There is more for each. Each character gets at least one good scene, and at least feels like they should be there we're here it's like what do we do with all these characters yeah what movie were we talking about again i know i know <laughs> yeah uh, all right so yeah so back to this okay we gotta, so we get that we get the twist of we find out that the hipsters and f murray abraham's people are actually the same race mm -hmm. f murray abraham's uh aliens are just aged versions yeah because they didn't of, stay on the planet they didn't stay on so the they planet they still get the long life but they screw don't you mom minutes. and dad you don't yeah. get us yeah you're not the boss of me. We're gonna slam the space door on our way out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we kind—I mean, I guess I'm jumping ahead even a little bit more. Well, we can talk about how so Riker and Jordy are taking the Enterprise to go alert Starfleet. Isn't it great to how what's in this scene on. they're all kind of costumed appropriately? In, in which scene so, is that? So, top of the costumes. Then? Just in, Picard, in general. Picard says, "Screw this! I'm going to take a stand and protect the Baku from the." Federation, and he puts on his civilian uh, clothes, okay. yes. and he pulls yes. out his gun, yeah. and then all the crew come down to meet him. Some of them are in uniform, some of them aren't, and he says, "You, everyone in uniform, get back on the ship. Everyone who's dressed in civilian clothes, come with me. Why are they even dressed in civilian clothes? Why are they dressed in civilian clothes? Why do they have to be dressed in civilian clothes? Are they trying to confuse the Federation so they blend in with the Baku? Why not just all go down in uniform? Do because something symbolic, like they tear their they tear their rank insignia off or something. Well, Picard did that. No, he yeah, kind of did. It's just weird. It's just weird. Just very slowly. It's so you kind of get this like so a bunch of F. Murray Abraham alien. What are they called? This the Sona are Sona. The okay. F. Murray Abraham call themselves the Sona, and the twist is that they are actually Baku, and right. for some okay. reason they changed. So their two name. Sona ships go after the Enterprise to try to stop it from letting Starfleet know what's going on. Basically. Again, like is this really insurrection or is it just like Star Trek? phone call like yeah. you know as they're like the whole yeah. goal is to just let you know the federation know what's really happening um i i, I thought some of this stuff was fine as a b plot i thought this was I like mean, it was okay well cool. i felt it yeah i felt it existed because again jonathan gave us directed our, the movie and, and it gave you know, us our space action and it gave which him it well, Star space Trek action, movie, yeah, yeah. Gotta, but it gave him the big heroic they're gonna call this the Riker maneuver kind of moment. Yeah, oh, and, and we yeah. got to see the uh, the joystick for the Enterprise. We did. That was weird. Give has me that, the steering column. Has that <laughs> ever come up? No. Before? Okay. Nope. Okay. There is a line in the original in TNG. I'm sorry. There's a line in TNG where they throw out there at random. The 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 there's a temporary captain of the Enterprise. Picard has been kidnapped. Riker and the new captain don't get along. The new captain needs a good pilot, and Geordi says the best pilot in the Enterprise is Commander Riker. This has never been established ever. This has never been shown. It's said in one line of dialogue. And I love the Commander Riker character on Next Gen, and I love Jonathan Frakes. He's great. But the Riker character really doesn't have a lot to do in Next Gen because all the other roles are sufficiently filled, and Riker is just kind of this goofball who's kind of second in command. Now, I, I wouldn't want my Next Gen without Commander Riker. That's not... Anything, no, nothing wrong with Commander Riker, but to make him the best pilot in the Enterprise gives him something to do, and it's never shown. So now is his big chance, but they did it in a ridiculous yes. way where he's literally flying the Enterprise like a fighter jet, which... Yeah. I think that's always kind of been a thing, though. Like, in the first episode, they make him, like, dock the ship. Yeah. Because he's, like, the best pilot ever. That felt a little like I Paramount right. might have been being like, we're going to develop a tie-in video game. Can yeah. you can you get this shot in there, yeah. please? Right. You yeah. know, or um, 
Yeah. But I, I that, that B plot was sort of fine. Yeah. They, they, it wasn't find, terrible. It was just find, odd. It was yeah. just okay. Yeah, just like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. cheesy. Yeah. 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 But they, they do end up um, defeating these ships that have come to intercept them. But then do they go and tell anybody? Because then they just kind of go back to the They do. Planet. I think they're saying that they off off screen. They, they get go, out of the they, like, yeah, right But actually, the culmination of the B plot happens off screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. Then yeah. they come back. Yeah. Um, I think that There's might no have involved tail. those reshoots for the... I, I wonder if in the non-reshoot version mm-hmm. that plays a little differently. Okay. Um, but then they come back and it's... Because Picard, meanwhile, is now... He's captured. He gets put ba- up on the bad guy's ship. Yeah. To uh, transport it up. And uh, really out of nowhere, F. Murray Abraham's second in command, just after about... A 45-second guilt trip from Picard is well, like, yep, I'm with you now. I think before that, he, he they do show him kind of being like, like he he's okay with this whole thing, transporting people off the planet and everything, but once F. Murray Abraham starts like, let's just kill them if, if they're not going to leave. And yeah. That's where he's kind of like, nah, I don't, I'm not into that so much. I, so. I just, I wish they'd had, he and Picard had had more interaction and they'd and you, set this up. You do well, see the yeah. woman from the village kind of lay a guilt trip on the second in command, like, oh, I used to help your mother right. bury yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And, that's right. And yeah. they, they do tie that into a quick try right. on the end. Yeah. So I wish they kind of work on him a little bit. But, a little yeah. bit. It's just, it's a major plot point because once that guy's in, he's all in right. and yeah. I kind of yeah. want to be like I wish you'd developed yeah. this but okay yeah. he saw him um, he knows he can't trust that that's right that's right and <laughs> weirdest uh, reference I've made this episode pretty, I think good. that's pretty good um so now they come up with this elaborate plan where they put they teleport F. Murray Abraham and the bad guys onto the hollow ship where they think they're still on their yeah, ship. Where the, when when they're doing a countdown to activate this big planet thing they destroyer. Have. Yeah, this yeah. Oh, gonna, yeah. ship thing that's going to destroy. I mean, the, who programmed right. that holodeck that fast? I, don't know. I mean, Worf? Like whoever programmed that is uh, incredible. Yeah. That's actually what Crusher was doing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Developing uh, the lead yeah. scene that it, she just she has uh, an incredible programming skills. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um, and then we go into the re the reshot the reshot ending has to be that fight between Picard and F. Murray Abraham yeah. in that big Tower yeah. over so, tower structure. Yeah, and which like Jack referenced earlier, all of the the set has like blue basically like panels on the, the back walls of it. Yeah. Which to me always looked like that was supposed to be blue screen and they were going to put space there. Like those are the windows to the space. But yeah. yeah. I don't know if that was the intention or not, but it looks like it was an unfinished. They probably yeah, kind should of thing. have done that. Yeah. Because yeah, because this doesn't because there's no reason for there to be blue panels in there, like yeah. all on the walls. I was watching, and I'm like, this is simultaneously expensive and cheap. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I'm sure this set cost a good amount to build, but yeah. you're, again, it's lit like Bob Barker should be, like, hosting right. a yeah. show on yeah. it. Yeah, and, and they've got that blue screen. Yeah. That's funny, because so Picard has to get, because, so they stop the countdown when they put the, the guys on the ship. Right. Or on the hollow ship. Right. They realize they're putting on the hollow ship, so then they beam over to the... I can't remember what it was called, the collector or whatever it was called, yeah. to just start the, the countdown again from there. So the countdown restarts. So they have like a minute and a half or two minutes to stop this from happening again. So Picard goes over to the collector to do it manually. Yeah. Um, and, and he has to do a, essentially what in video game terms would be deemed a mini game. Right. In yeah. order to do the self-destruct so, sequence. So here's a countdown where it's literally coming down to like seconds. This would be a good time for him to use his slowing down time ability. Absolutely. He does yeah. not think to do yeah. that. Yeah, he either he or a lady he knows knows how to slow <laughs> like down time. time. <laughs> yeah, but they they don't think of that. No, so. um, but they they manage to put the self destruct in, and Riker and Jordy teleport Picard out at the last second, mm-hmm. and F. Murray Abraham presumably burns up. I always thought it was funny too how buff Picard is in this in this movie, particularly in the scene. Well, he is. Like, yeah, well, I guess so, but yeah. he's, he's never he like he's right there by the ring by the end. <laughs> He's never known to, been known to be like a buff guy in the series or anything. I don't think so. It's just I like, trying to make him he like buffed an up action hero. Yeah, yeah. Where Riker kind of this is kind of this isn't really a Star Trekky type ending where you know Picard should be trying to talk 
No. F. Marie no, Abraham is yeah. yeah. like, you're wrong. This is wrong. Your whole idea is wrong. You could live together with the Baku and you can and you can find a better way to share this this, you know, will help you. Like, I don't even remember if that's even attempted during no. the fight scene. Well, and that's just some the, dumb yeah. joke. We're getting too old for this, roar off, oh, or whatever yeah, the guy's name is. Th that's one of the issues with these movies is that they, the Picard character really, really changed in these movies, especially the last two or three. <clears throat> yeah. Um, where he's just like multiple times shooting giant guns. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah it makes sense for first contact. Because the Borg, but yeah. for everything still, else, it's yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, this movie, like this movie starts with him just kind of pointing out that he's a diplomat that right. they turn to whenever the diplomats aren't available. Like, oh shit, right. the diplomats are busy. Get Picard. Yeah, yeah. he can yeah. handle it. Yeah. I suspect the non-reshot ending was probably something like more like what Jack was talking yeah. about, or something more, more Star Trek-ish. Yeah. Star Trek-y. Yeah. yeah, like we need more explosions. Yeah, that sounds. Um, we do get this movie even has a C plot, which is that there's a kid on the hipster oh, yeah. planet and Data, oh. and that this kid warms up to Data, and there's there's a couple of like terrible lines throughout, but there like this movie wraps up with the kid saying to Data, "Remember, you have to have a little fun every day." Barf. Like <laughs> you know, it, it's just it's the old uh, NBC. The more you know, star started to play. Yeah, it's so clunky. It's so clunky for a for a movie. Like I'm imagining a person who paid eight dollars in 1998 and is in a cinema and being like that. Okay, like, I was one of those people. I was yeah. too. I yeah. went and saw this in the theater. I was like, yeah, you start your movie. <laughs> oh, God. Sure. I had such a bad reaction to this. I did not see Nemesis in the theater. Yeah, I mean, that... Really? Yeah. I did, but I was not... I, I went in with low expectations, which I think helped because I like, quote-unquote, again, grading on a curve, I like Nemesis better than this one. Me too. Because yeah. I think I was going in like, this is totally going to suck. <laughs> and it, 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 visually, Nemesis is a lot better. I'm excited. We're gonna have to do Nemesis at some point because yeah. I'm. I'd like to I be a completionist and uh, and see it. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I, as this is wrapping up, I'm just like, this is not a movie. No. This is just a good. This uh, this is like a solid two part episode. Like this, yeah. it wouldn't even been one of the great ones. It would have been kind of been a, a, a forgettable one that you'd be like, oh, I forgot about this one. Okay, right? Yeah, yeah like when a you were alone in the series. Five, yeah, yeah, season know? five and six. Yeah, just a respectable like yeah two parter. Like one where like if I saw part one, I'd be like, well, I think I'll I'll, I'll probably oh, watch yeah. part two. It's a you know, working. Yeah. yeah. Did we we didn't even talk about like the the erotic face shaving sequence Ugh, and oh, uh, yeah. when Riker gets his face shaved in the bathtub and then Again. and then and then <laughs> Data's filling up his face because he says it's as smooth as an android's bottom, eh, Data? And then Data touches his face and he shakes his head like, no, it's not implying that Data actually revealed to us how smooth his ass is. Like, <laughs> and I also want to put the, point this out that I'm sure. Most of our listeners are aware of this, and my, my fellow podcasters are, but the the reverse, the opposite of jumping the shark in a franchise is called growing the beard, because when Next Generation got good, it was after Jonathan Frakes grew the beard, grew the beard on Star Trek. That's when yeah. Star Trek Next Gen started to get good. Yeah. This is the Next Gen movie where Riker shaves his beard off, and it's arguably the worst Next Gen movie. So, coincidence? Yeah. I think you're onto something. Did yeah. he have it back in Nemesis? I can't remember. Sure he did. He has a beard. He has he has a beard in in all of his Trek appearances except this movie and season one of Next Generation. That's that, that may be onto something. That's true. Uh, let's let's do a so bad it's good. Uh, as as the least Trek experienced person here, I'll go first. I thought this was like okay, but it just again like I like the episodes that this was like an episode. If I had spent eight dollars to watch this in a movie theater, I would have. Wanted at least six fifty of that back. Um, like I, I, I'm mystified by where seventy million dollars went, mm -hmm. and I think I, I like that. This I, I have mixed feelings on this because I also like that this movie has some attempts to be smart to it. That I wish some of the J.J. Abrams ones had a little more like smart sci-fi to them. But I also just wish it had a little more of the grandeur of the original series movies. Yeah. Um, that is just the the production values are cheap. The lighting is cheap. Mm -hmm. I, they didn't. I, I guess they just spent all the money on the to get the original stars. But like, even the lady who plays Picard's girlfriend and the other guy from the hipster planet, 
like feel like TV, TV guest stars. Yeah. yeah, I mean everything just feels very TV. Um, I mean that's it. I I thought it, it's okay. I, I'm I mean it's much better than a lot of things we've seen for <laughs> yeah, this show. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it was disappointing and just just like uh, yeah yeah this this is not a movie to me. Um, I yeah I don't I don't hate it. I've never really hated it. It's decent, like you said. Um, I guess the one thing for me is that most of it just felt like things I had already seen in episodes. So it was like, okay, this is nothing new. Because, like I said, it just rehashed a lot of plot points from, you know, Picard gets stuck in a cave at one point in the series. You know, it's just stuff like that. Oh, you know that so cave I'm set is just, like, on standby. Like, yeah. they just have that, like... To the point where I was trying to remember yeah. something that would happen. I was trying to remember, as I was watching the cave scene, did that happen in this movie or in that episode where he and Wesley Crusher are stuck in a cave? Isn't yeah. there one with, like, Abraham Lincoln? Is there... Is that's there, the, <laughs> am I, that's am the original I, series. That's the original that's series. Original I think you series. might be thinking Mark Twain. There was a next generation. Mark Twain. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Twain. The, 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 with with Davis head. Yes. The cave, yep. I think uh, they were in this cave. Uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you know, if you're just watching that, it's like whatever. If I watch them all through together, this would be the one that's like, eh, you know, I guess I could skip it. But yeah. I, so I wouldn't say it's so bad it's good, but it's also not so good it's good. It's just like, just yeah. Kind of, yeah. 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 Star Trek. 13 Star Trek movies. This is the one I would rank as my least favorite. It does not anger me like some. It does not make me belly laugh like others, but it's just, it's lame, it's dry. I often forget about it, right? Yes. I'm like, there's Star Trek Generations, Star Trek First Contact, and, and Nemesis, but what was that movie? Was that, that, that Star Trek Resurrection? Oh, Insurrection. I often it's forget about it. I saw this one in the theater. It does violate, I've often said, like my deadly, my seven-ish deadly sins of cinema. Does it violate your prime directive? Violates, yes, it violates two of my prime directives of filmmaking. Wait, you can't have two prime directives. Yeah. Which one's the primer? Yeah. The primest. Yeah. Um, uh, radical shifts in tone, as yeah. this does have. It's a comedy. It's a drama. It's a comedy. Sometimes it, I understand dramedy is a thing, and it works when it works, but... Radical shifts of tone and constantly reminding me of things that I like better, i.e., well, I remember that episode of Star Trek with Paul Sorvino, who came up with that clever, that clever strategy of beaming the people off their planet that was dying, and then that created the moral dilemma of the Prime Directive, and is it right for him to do that with the hollow ship? But it was too late because they had to do it. I wish I were watching that episode. Or, oh no, it reminded me of that episode where Data went crazy and took over the Enterprise, and then he went and he met his father, and there was this, this touching scene where he gets to meet his father, his creator, and oh man, I really wish I were watching that episode. Oh, wait a minute, I'm watching this. Oh, okay, right? I hate that. And because of that dryness, because a movie like Star Trek Into Darkness like nerd raged me. Star Trek V, I'm laughing at it. I'm not laughing with it. This movie is the worst in my opinion because it is bland and it is very forgettable. If it were produced, if this script were, not if this were recut as episodes of Next Gen, if this script were produced by the Next Gen people in the Next Gen first run, it probably would have been good, or at least better than this. But because of that, I don't like it. I don't think it's so bad it's good. And that's my assessment. Yeah. Actually, Jack said it perfectly, I think. Honest, honestly, that he pretty much, that's exactly how I feel, too. It just, it feels like somebody just kind of kitbashed a few episodes together, and not even the interesting points of episodes, just... You know, okay. fucked concepts yeah, and like just, just poured them into a blender. And, yeah, it's mm. kind of like bad fan fiction. Like nothing. At least yeah. you know, with some fan fiction, they'll do something different and interesting. This is just yeah, it's an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I am looking forward to us doing Nemesis at some point coming up, though. Um, that I will. Feel like I kind of want Nemesis now. I know, but probably not. This maybe like this spring or this summer we'll have to do Nemesis because now I do want to see it. Um, again, the completionist in me is yeah. pretty excited that I will have then seen all of the Star Trek films. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'll have that coming up. But yeah, that, this is an interesting one. Very okay. Uh, we will be back soon with another crazy. Episode. Actually, we do know what our next episode is going to be. We'd already well, previously decided. Well, should we not say it? All right, I, you don't, you don't all right we jinx happen. it. I know, <laughs> I know. All right, we'll, we we know, but we'll keep it secret for now. Um, probably for safety reasons. <laughs> yeah, to keep everyone we think we to know. keep everyone safe. Yeah, who knows if that movie is about to disappear from the interwebs? <laughs> um, all right, we'll be back next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.